What's going on, everybody, and welcome to episode 21 of the Play Economics Podcast, breaking down the business behind the world of video games, providing you with all the sweet, sweet financial context behind industry trends. I'm one of your hosts, Bobby Kowecki. Joined with me today is the barely alive, clinging to life, <laughs> possibly vid having. Flu most likely carrying Matt Mascari. How you doing, buddy? How you feeling? <laughs> you know, I'm tired. I'm sick. Mm. But you know what we do here on this podcast? We persevere. Do you know what we do on Play Economics? We, we cowboy, cowboy up. up. You're goddamn right we cowboy up. I'm happy to see I you. Have coffee, G Fuel. Mm. You've been mixing it with ice, Using like I straw. told you. You've been mixing it with ice lately. Bro, you have no idea. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. Everyone, everyone on the podcast, take a minute. Take a minute. The Play Economists. Put ice in your G Fuel when you mix it, and it completely changes how enjoyable your G Fuel is. Yeah, it's like, you ever you ever drink a warm monster? No. Hell no. I'd rather have a one-way ticket to Afghanistan than drink a warm monster. <laughs> With a layover okay. in North Korea. Cold, ice cold, yes. every time. That's the way energy drinks Speaking. need to be consumed. Speaking of energy drinks, Afghanistan, and North Korea... Bobby, what have you been playing? It's been a while what since a, we've actually had to film an episode. What a segue that was. <laughs> You're right. It has been uh, a while since we had to, you know, mentally recover from the Game Awards. That that borderline <gasps> emotional battery that Jeff I Keighley forgot. put that up. wasn't that long yeah, ago. Wow. <laughs> it seems it seems like a lifetime ago. The PTSD is still. <sighs> ripping its way through my body uh what have i been playing so oddly enough after the game awards so little so little funny piece of fact also if you guys haven't checked out our game awards episode i promise you it is one of our best slash worst pieces of content if you want to see pain unparalleled watch that and you will see matt just really trying to get through it but what i think i said in the game awards episode was when it takes two one game of the year the guy who won that the fuck the oscars guy joseph farris is apparently and i knew this a big guy in sweden where nicole is from okay Okay. apparently like him and his brothers are big time directors in sweden so when i was watching the game awards last year nicole saw him and was like i know this guy and i was like you don't know this guy this, this you don't play video games and she's like no 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 yeah, he's no swedish way. his whole family is like a family of actors and stuff like that and i was like there's no way googled it it's true um maybe i'll start listening to nicole on other things like bobby you're not going to get away with tax evasion they're not going to believe the mona lisas were in the car it were <laughs> <laughs> You can't fake your death four or five times. The jury's out. Um, But what I decided to do in the spirit of everything was I downloaded It Takes Two. And let me tell you, I'm playing it with Nicole. It Takes Two. I've played a lot of games ranging in age from very young to now. You know, I'm in my mid-20s. It Takes Two is the perfect game for people to give to people and to play with people who don't know how to play video games or think that they can't play video games, right? Hmm. 
it's so intuitive. It's so intuitive where the story is very cute, but the whole game is split screen. And it's about this couple who are going through a divorce and their daughter, you know, makes a wish. She cries and the, the mom and the dad, they wake up as these dolls and it's and they get they find like this crazy over the top book character who's like guiding them through like relationship exercises but it's really all it's like part pixar part honey i shrunk the kids but it's so endearing and so fun and each level is a different style of game and it's a what i mean by that so what i mean by that the first level is like your standard kind of 3d platformer right you go, you jump, press this to solve puzzle. Oh, two people need to be standing on the blocks at the same time, right? Gets you, gets you familiar with the idea of what a game is, what the objective is, and how to solve it together, right? Next level is a third-person shooter because you're given a hmm. nail and you have to... So, like, one person will have to push a block... But the minute they let the block go, it moves backwards. So they push the block, and the other person throws a nail to hold the block in place, right? And they keep building on different games like that. I don't want to spoil too much. I think it deserved Game of the Year on principle alone that it was the it is the most unique game I've played in a very long time. This is one of the few games where I can't say oh, this is like this other game, right? There's very few gotcha. things I could be like, oh, you know, it's a lot like X. There's really nothing like this, right? Hmm. I, I highly recommend, if it's on Game Pass, which I think it might be, it is. play it with and Sarah. I was going to say, what, me and Sarah are obviously quarantined for the weekend because we might have the vid. So perfect thing for us to do tomorrow i guess would be it takes you do how long do you think it would take us to get through it i think sub eight hours especially if you're playing with one person who knows how to play games like that's what i think is the optimal way to play this right because i think it's two people who know how to play games already then it's a i don't think it's as impactful but i think part of the teamwork aspect is if one person knows video games and one person is new or doesn't really yep. get or have much experience with video games. It's a great exercise in learning that kind of thing. It is so fun. Nice. I think you'll really get a kick out of it. That, I'll yeah, take it. I'm, I'm curious to hear probably whenever we do another news episode, which before we move on to what you're playing, totally skip my mind to tell fans at home. We don't miss episodes here at Play Economics. We, ever. Ever. Right. We have, I have COVID still doing an if episode. <laughs> we've missed an episode. Two things have happened. We won the lottery. Bobby we won the, death. <laughs> I'll, I'll, Let me tell you something right now. If we win the lottery, it will not be we are missing an episode. We'll be doing five episodes a day because me and you are quitting our day oh, fair jobs. Enough. Yeah. Okay. And I'm funding the channel. Like if we win the lottery, that's how it goes. After a long Bora Bora bender filled with single-use Lamborghinis and skydiving Hummers, uh, <laughs> imagine just driving a Lamborghini one time and throwing take this it away. one back. Yeah, like driving it to your destination. Take it back to the store. 
getting another one shipped to us <laughs> so that we could drive exactly. it home. All right, get rid of it. But in the spirit of never missing an episode, we will be uninterrupted throughout the Christmas, uh, New Year's holidays. The episodes are going out. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We won't miss an episode as long as you guys don't miss an episode tuning in. So that's the deal. We have two episodes ready uh, in the can. One will be our most anticipated games of 2022, and the other one will be our games of the year 2021. So keep an eye out for those. Matt, what are you playing, bud? So I've been playing a lot since I gave up on my endeavor to uh, get Diamond. I just don't have enough time in a week to really make a hard push. I got into Plat very easily, but after that, it's just it's too much of a time sink, and I just can't do it. I might try next season. Because I'm Plat now, I don't get set far as back because I hadn't played ranked for so long, so I started literally at the bottom. Now I'll start about, uh, I think it's high silver, so I'll have like eight less ranks to do. I might try one more time, but I don't know. I think playing in Platinum is perfectly fine, and that's just about where I should be. Diamond would be too much of a push. But, so it's a very humble opinion. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a very yeah, humble opinion I mean, of where you are. The two people I play with could easily get into Diamond. All they needed to do was play with each other a little more. And, like, another person that wasn't me... <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 <laughs> these poor people <laughs> they're great guys great guys um then i was playing psychonauts mm, did you finish it which yes so i downloaded psychonauts on a whim mm-hmm. completely i had seen it in the uh the game awards lineup and i had i actually got it when i got tales of mm. arise And I didn't play it, and I downloaded it because it was free on Game Pass, which everyone that has Game Pass, go download it. It's not as what you were saying with It Takes Two, because I could definitely describe it as another game. It is exactly like Ratchet & Clank. Okay, three like 3D action platformer. Yes, the game plays exactly like ratchet and clank the abilities compared to like the different guns you get in ratchet and clank eerily similar but the storyline of that game is one of the best storylines i've ever seen and it was a very comical like it's very fun writing story and presentation and like even the like whole grasp uh like the whole story itself isn't that deep but basically, the premise of the story is that you are a psychonaut, which is uh, basically the men in black. Love it. I, I played but part one, psychi- so I, I, I'm, I'm familiar oh. with the story. So you're basically psychiatrists that are men in black people. Okay. And your character throws a little door in the back of somebody's head. You get to go into their brain and you fix their issues and you basically run them through whatever problem they're going to. And, like, the bosses are, like, social anxiety and um, there's, like, bad, um, a bad mood monster. An obsession with All faking your death. I understand. <laughs> yes. Obsession with faking your death. But they touch on such, like, concepts that you wouldn't think you would dive into in a video game that's going into someone's mind. Like, one of the worlds, you go into a very, like, 
businesswoman's mind. She's running the company at the time. She's under a ton of stress. You go into her mind and you're seeing how much like effort she had to put into her career and like the things she sacrificed. And one of your abilities is to connect thoughts. Mm -hmm. And you see how her thoughts connected into these different aspects and like what made her think this way. And then you get into this room where there, it's a baby roulette, but the baby roulette's rigged and she's worried she's never going to have kids because she married her career hmm. and they established this whole thing. It's wild. Interesting. Yeah. And as, and I'm sure you know, psych major loved every second of it. They do such a good uh, like idea it's such a n not accurate but a very good representation of the things that go on in your it mind. seems like it yeah i mean double fine is very good like um, you know kind of on that same pixar track they're very good with kind of weaving in very high concept adult storytelling themes with kind of these more silly zany wacky type things so i can imagine it's very yeah. good I, I think it's actually even on awesome. ps4 so if i can catch it on sale one day i'll definitely pick it up what i need you to play if you like um if you like psychonauts 2 obviously you have to go back and play psychonauts 1 now yeah you got to get the yep. full the full deal there but my favorite Double Fine game, my favorite Tim Schafer game, and fun fact, I have a selfie with Tim Schafer from E3 nice. one time. Uh, if, I, if I have it, I'll pop. I, it's somewhere. I'm not that guy. But okay. You'll get it. Uh, I need you to go play Grim Fandango, and I need to know hmm. if that's on Game Pass. It's a completely different type of game. It's a point-and-click adventure, but it's about a skeleton who works at an undead travel agency. And the whole thing is like this 1940s, 50s, jazz, noir, crime, detective adventure. And it's probably okay. my favorite Double Fine game. Very cool. If it's on there, definitely worth a play. Uh, it does. It looks like it is on there. Definitely worth checking out. Um, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, and then what I started playing over the last two Tell days. Tell me about it. Halo, Infinite, specifically the campaign. The floor is yours, sir. Holy shit. I never thought that I would want Master Chief to have a grapple hook. Hmm. But I will never go back. And they introduce it immediately. They Basically, the opening scene, he gets thrown off um, the Halo ring shoots his grapple hook and misses and he's lost in space now and then they open it they open the game up with you getting found by some random uh soldier that was in space recovering from the war so but it's so good the storyline so far is awesome the main villain the one that they completely revamped the way that he looked and they keep showing Craig. the trailers from yeah, <laughs> so they keep showing the uh, transition between what he looked like in 2020 versus what he looks like now, and he is an amazing villain, hmm. very like threatening, overarching um, presence. Throughout the uh, campaign, you pick up these little like audio files, and they vary between uh, the Banished, which are the enemy people, and the uh, your team and like your um, I forget what the acronym it's like UNSC mm -hmm. or something like that. 
And every time you hear his play, because once you grab the audio file, it's kind of like the skull where you're just finding them randomly in the map. You hear his and it like echoes. Mm. And it's such this like booming, demanding voice. And you get these cut scenes where he's talking directly to you. And he's like saying like, the Master Chief, we thought like we're coming for you. Oh boy. He's like, the humans think you're a hero. The Covenant think you're a demon. We think you're prey. Oh, I like that a lot. And he's just a badass villain. Uh, the boss fights are amazing. Very, very, very difficult. And like, I'm not a usually a fan of boss fights in shooters. The one that I've done, I forget what the guy's name is. It's like Treminus or mm-hmm. something like that. He's got two jackals with him, which are the people with Mm -hmm. the shield that have the little plasma. And then there's him as a brute. He has the same kind of shield that you do. Oh. So you have to you have to knock his shield. And then once his shield is gone, if you don't hit him quick enough again, it just recovers. Hmm. That's interesting. So I'm usually hate first person shooter bosses. So far, they've all been amazing. And very, very difficult. I'm playing on Legendary, obviously. And I've just gotten into the, like, open world section so of the So that was going to be my next question. <clears throat> How does that work? Spoiler-free, could you walk me through kind of the structure of the open world map? Is it like a... <clears throat> you, you get an outpost. Mm-hmm. It's a huge open world. You could either fast travel between the outposts. And this is just from what I've seen so far. Um, How far in would you say you are? I just got the first outpost. Oh, so you're just starting. Yeah, I literally just got to the ability to do the open world. Haven't explored it yet. But what it seems like is you could either fast travel between missions. So the way they set up the map is they have a bunch of like missions all over the map that are um, you could like click to. And then there's some optional ones. So there's clearly the campaign one. The one that um, not not Cortana is telling you to go to, which it's just Cortana. It's just not named Cortana, Cortana Light. It's named the. It's just weapon. Cortana Zero Sugar. Okay. Yeah. So, and then you either go to the main mission or you mess around and. Uh, like right before this podcast was when I was about to like really get into the open world. Your abilities are upgradable, so you can upgrade your grapple hook. I have uh, you get like a shield core, mm. and every um, you find basically um, like an upgradable item where you could spend it on different upgrades. You could either upgrade your shield core, so you have. 15% more shields. You could do different things with your grapple. And then there's a couple other things that I haven't gotten to yet. But overall, the fact that they took the year to polish this game, they did a really, really good job at making it worth it. So you feel that it needed the fu- uh, it needed the full year extra and that that was worth it? Yes, because of how good they executed on everything and how good all of the features are in this game, I could see 
if it was half done, these things being really bad. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm super happy for you, man. I'm I'm thrilled that it lived up to the hype. Oh yeah. I have one complaint. Co-op doesn't drop till season two. See, like that kind of stuff irks me, but you know, can't win them all. But good. I'm you can't. I'm, I'm glad that so that you're good. liking it. The floor is yours. If there's any other thoughts or anything no, you feel it. like you want to tell the peeps at home, that's it. Go play. All Halo. right. Well, in the spirit of that, let's move on to our first topic of the week. Huge week this week. Surprisingly, a lot of big, a lot of stuff. Big things happen. Nice, thick, juicy episode this week. Oh here. yeah. Topic number uno, number one. Let me just timestamp this here for L Edit. Topic number one is going to be from our friends over at gamesindustry.biz. And it is that Vodio Game Staff become first unionized game studio in North America. And this comes us from Jeffrey Rousseau. He's the staff writer over there. And he writes in quote, Today leadership from Vodio Games has formally recognized the formation of Vodio Workers United to become the first certified game studio union in North America. The union, which was formed with the Communications Workers of America, says that it will represent all eligible employees across the entirety of job positions. Those are those who are remote contractors and working throughout the U.S. and Canada. All workers deserve a u- union and and a say in how their workplace is run, no matter where they work, what their government employment status is, or what kind of conditions they work under, says Vodio Games producer Miriam LaChapelle. Um, let me just see here if there's anything else. I don't want to pull his article too, too much. You guys can definitely go and read it. But I think that is pretty much the gist here, right? Now, interesting. Interesting for no other reason than... This is a very uh, how can I how can I put this in a, in a professional way? This is a very opportune time for someone to push an agenda like this, especially when big companies like Activision are on such a bad footing with worker relations and obviously public optics yep. as well, right? So I think this is a terrible idea. I think really? this is a terrible idea for them specifically. I think for or the for, for the, the industry, industry in general, right? I think that, okay. um, and again, I have no issue with private unions, right? But I know, as someone who's been in unions, as someone who is in a union, I can certainly understand that there is a veneer, there's a hype to it that once you're over that threshold once you pull back that wizard of oz curtain things are different on the other side than they seem right now while some unions could be extremely predatory and there's you know very little to no merit to join them i'm sure there are some great unions that fight for their workers where i don't think this will work with video games is that the video game industry is so worldwide spread and because so take a company like rockstar for example right rockstar has a studio in north america a studio in london a studio worldwide right so how does unionization cross sect with 
worker norms and labor norms in different countries, right? Because at some point, from a business aspect, that becomes opposed. You know what I mean? At some point, you run into an yeah. issue there. That's just me. I see, but the, coming at this from two ways, I am inherently against unions. I think you could pull up a bunch of statistics about how union workers generally make more than people that aren't in unions and you get this pay increase and whatever, and the working conditions are sometimes better. And there's things that go around because of being in unions. I think they're more political than anything. And you could get a good union, you get a bad union, you could get a, it very hit or miss. And I'd be, me personally, I would never want to hand over my negotiating to somebody yep. else. You That was the most eloquent way I could have put it. Awesome. And we saw the Activision Blizzard letter where I think he worded it wrong. And I don't think that was a good look for what they are doing right now. And because of how bad their PR is and how bad they're treating their employees... Because he used the word consequences when discussing. And I don't know if you've read it, but it basically said, before you guys sign this union letter that has been going around, you should think about the consequences of things that happen after. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, The way that he uses consequences, in my opinion, infers... It comes like, off retaliatory. That, yeah, it sounds like he's going to yeah. fire you. If you like, if you guys join a union, and I don't think that's what he meant. I think he like he's genuinely trying to express that things are going to change if you form a union, and it's going to change slow because there's going to be a vote, there's going to be bureaucracy, there's going to be politics. But at the same time, there is no faith in that company that they will make the changes necessary. So. In the Activision Blizzard standpoint, if I was their employee, I'd probably go for the union just because I'd rather be looking forward to my working conditions being better in a year, two years, three years through union politics than believing that Activision Blizzard is actually going to do anything about it. Personally, I would just quit and get another job and I would go to a different developer, but but then from the other side, I see the benefits of and the security that you feel from thinking you're going into a union. So I think it depends on the company. And to be honest, I've never heard any bad PR from this company, the uh, Vadio Games. So I don't know if they need I it. agree. And that's kind of where I wanted to springboard next off of because you touched on before where, you know, you said it. Uh, you, Unions, to a certain degree, are inherently political, which if I'm Vadio Games, which is a company I've never heard of, you've never heard of, I think most people have never heard of. I mean, I'll Google them right now. I can't even name. It, it comes up with, uh, it thinks you spelled video exactly. games wrong. So someone <laughs> needs to talk to their SEO department. What do they, what do they do? Do you think this is just to get them in the media? I mean, look, it's, it's a great market. It's it a worked. great marketing tactic, right? 
where there are companies like, and I'm forgetting the name right now, but it's the company that made Dead Cells. It is a French studio, and I'm blanking on the Motion Twin. And to my understanding, they are a collective-owned studio, right? So everybody who worked on Dead Cells owns a piece of that. That I'm okay with, right? That I'm a little more okay with, but I think much like the way certain economic policy works in countries with less people, right? Like you always hear people be like, oh, well, in Denmark, this works. Yeah, more people commute in and out of Manhattan every day than live in Denmark, right? So I think right tool for the right job, right? I think that for a company like Vadio Games who sees all this zeitgeist going on in the industry right now and sees that they have people like, you know, Jason Schreier and all these other people just evangelizing unionization, why not? Hell yeah. I mean, nobody was searching for Vadio Games before. Now they are. Yeah. I agree. And uh, to be honest, that the only reason I know that the first thing that shows up is um, when you look up video games is they're basically telling you that you're misspelling yep. video games wrong and they're giving you a suggestion. First thing I wanted to look at is how many people do they have? Exactly. Because that's – I could see them pulling this off because they have so little people. They don't really need – like they're going to have a union and it's going to be a union. So I'm – and they're not really going to do anything with it. I'm going to go to their LinkedIn right now. This is some live journalism. Oh, right nice. Now. Look let's at that. We're giving you news before it even happens. Games. And let's see. Yeah, so so it comes up. Did, did you mean video games? No, Vadio games. Okay. Chris Floyd. He's the game director at Vadio Games. I'm trying to see if they even have their own page on LinkedIn. So the only thing I could find about Vadio Games is this is the I find the game industry.biz article. Is I find the games industry.biz article. Um and I have Chris Floyd, game director at Vadio Games, and his LinkedIn profile shows uh, very proud to have Beast Breaker, the first game from our uh, new indie studio, Vadio Games. Launched today on Switch, PC, and Mac, Vadio Games is all about making, co- making cozy, crunchy game experiences that are welcoming to everyone, but also welcome deep, deep exploration of their game's mechanics. Beast Breaker combines pinball-like bouncing with turn-based tactics, huh, and wraps them both in an RPG. I think it's fresh and exciting. It was made with love by a powerful team of great developers. Neat, Chris. I would love if I could know who any of these developers are, considering that I can't... I, I got their website. Yeah? Um, yeah, so it's about uh, they're about us is what is a uh, video game basically the same they have the cozy crunchy tagline that you said what is our promise our games will cover diverse settings topics but they will also meet our high standards of cozy crunchy experience which i'm not 100 percent sure what that means um and then it's it says who makes video games video games are made by unionized and it's ital like it's um, their whole page is like black oh like and like, like, like my color. picasso's like that yeah, 
So it's so it's video games are made by A, and then they change the color of the font to the scion green, unionized, highly experienced team of developers who are spread across North America but have united around a common set of beliefs. Depth and accessibility are not mutually exclusive. There's no such thing as an apolitical game. Game development should be sustainable. Game development should be playful. And then it's a list of 13 people. Okay, so 13 people have a union. By all means, go for it. And Chris, Chris Floyd, Bobby Kowiecki, nice to meet you. We would love to have you on the podcast to discuss the practicality and the long-term scalability of a union in a company of 13 people. Because here is my wish for Chris. I hope Vodio Games, Vodio Games is the next Supercell, is the next Rovio. I hope that their game becomes this indie darling, and there is so much demand for... What was the game again? For... A Cozy Crunchy RPG. No, no, no. There, there was the, the, the actual name of the game was Beast Breaker, I believe. Does it say there? I want to get this right. Uh, you, were, you were reading that. I hope your game gets so big that you have to scale your studio to 200 people. And then at that point, I would love to know the in and outs, the practical application of a union at a 250-person company versus a 13-person company. That's where I'll hang my hat on that one. And that's why I think... Having the word unionize in cyan on your website gets you a gamesindustry.biz article. More th- that's, that's it. it. That's <laughs> it. We've, that, that was a live, in-person reporting, people. It was a play economics yeah. first. Chris, we'd love to have you on the podcast. DM me. DM us. Yeah. Wish know. you and your studio nothing but the best. I don't mean that sarcastically. Making artistic things is very key, hard to do. Low-key low Beast Baker is $15 on the Switch. I'm going to download it tonight if you end play it. Because like the art aesthetic actually looks really cool. It looks like you're this little like mouse swordsman. And you're fighting all these like crystal monsters and things like that. And it's a turn-based RPG. And you know I love me some turn-based RPGs. Who doesn't love turn-based RPGs? Mm-hmm. Let's get these tactics. Honestly, well, I, I know I know yeah. you're excited for a tactics game coming out. I know um, <laughs> it'll be in our most anticipated 2022 games. It's Triangle Strategy. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but yes, do you have Browser do you have anything strategy. to add to this unionization article? Uh, no, we could pass. We discussed at nauseum <laughs> how we feel about unions. This poor Chris Floyd. Also, Chris Floyd. Why are you not the first person listed on your website? Well, he's the game director. He might not be the owner. He might not be the CEO. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, all right, perfect. So topic number two, just jumping right in here. Topic number two is actually uh, a couple of topics, two articles rather, but both some things that are near and dear to my heart. Lots of gamesindustry.biz. First part of this article, first part of this story, comes to us from Mr. Brendan Sinclair over at gamesindustry.biz. And it is that Ubisoft is adding NFTs to Ghost Recon. 
And in quotes, Brendan writes, Ubisoft today announced the first implementation of blockchain technology into one of its games with the addition of NFT to the PC version of Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Later this month, the publisher will run a beta test of Ubisoft Quartz, its new platform for acquiring NFTs, which the publisher refers to as Digits. These are associated with cosmetic in-games items like weapons and skins. A Ubisoft representative told GamesIndustry.biz its NFTs will always be cosmetic items that have no impact on gameplay, but they will unlock blueprints for relevant items if the player hasn't already done so already. You guys can go check out the rest of that article from Ben and Sinclair. Now, boy, howdy, am I about to have a field day with this one, T. So I'll let you tee it off on what you think. Oh, I like what it did there. TT. Uh, yeah. Lead us in with your thoughts because then there is that second article. There's that second side to this coin here. What do you think about all this? All right. So I have a hot take. Uh, Ubisoft is going down the toilet, in my opinion. And this is a attempt to become relevant again. And I think it's going to be i don't think they're going to properly implement it i think everyone's going to hate it and i think they're going to scrap it i don't think it's a hot take i think it's i think your i think your prediction is exactly what's going to happen because for for no other reason this no so to be very clear i've been very consistent when i say that nfts and all this nfts are not the monkey smoking the cigar with the glasses right that's not what this is. That's not what the future of this is. NFTs is placing digital scarcity on, you know, game-based commodities like skins, like, you know, m- digital land, that kind of stuff, right? If Ubisoft really believed in this, I'm sorry, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, their worst-reviewed Ghost Recon game, is not where you de- debut this. <laughs> is not, like, if you believe in your product, if you're, you know, balls deep, all ready to go into the NFT market... People would have hated it, but is Assassin's Creed not your flagship game? You can get plenty of armor, plenty of skins, all that kind of stuff. Is Far Cry, Far Cry 6, not your flagship game to debut NFTs into? Right? The fact that they did this on Ghost Recon shows me what just a cash grab is, right? And that's not to say that this is a perfect example of why people think NFTs are bullshit. Because they see something like this, and it's very easy to see right through it. It's a very transparent move, especially when you take two steps back and look at the situation. Right? They don't believe in this. And like, yeah, I also think I I do kind of see their reason I'm putting it on a lower selling game because again, I really don't believe in Ubisoft long term. Like their Assassin's Creed games, great. Far Cry, awesome. Then they came out with. What's it called? What was the terrible Greek mythology? Gods game and that I uh, no, it was gods and uh, immortals. Different, immortals yeah. rising. Phoenix yes. rising. How could we forget immortals, that rising. gem? Jesus. See, that was the last time I ever buy something because it says Ubisoft on it, and I was extremely disappointed. And I think they're putting this on one of their crap games because they can't afford to lose the revenue on one of their good games hmm. so they're gonna try it on something they that can get away whatever with. it's in the tree yeah but i don't think it's gonna give them any good data because they're putting it on a game that nobody cares about so nobody cares about the nfts so it's gonna perform poorly yep and they're gonna just scrap it like if you're gonna do it 
you got to risk it for the biscuit. Like, you need to put your money on one of your good games and make Far Far Cry have, like, a GTA Online kind of thing. And then you get to buy pieces of the island. I still believe, I still believe in my heart, Minecraft is what's going to win. Let me tell you something right now. I agree that something like Minecraft is going to win. But I... I think it's just because you're not part of this, and I I might just leave it for our last segment because I know we're going to touch on Final Fantasy fourteen. If I am understanding the correct way that guild housing works in Final Fantasy fourteen, is they just straight up have a limited... In an MMO, they have a limited amount of plots per server mm-hmm. that you can use as your guild house, and you could purchase a guild house... And once it's purchased, it's gone. You Nobody else could have it. And they need to sell it. Interesting. So there's actual land scarcity in Final Fantasy XIV. And I believe that's how it works. And the bigger your plot of land is, the more money it obviously is to purchase. And a lot of, like, of the larger guilds in the game have them. And that's how they kind of market themselves as like a top tier guild is they have this beautiful mansion Hmm. devoted to their guild that nobody else can buy in the entire server. But I think I think where you have the Ferrari, you also have to have the Honda Civic in any market with any product. Right. They they have small like shacks that you could also buy. Then then it's right there. Right. I I think it's got to be something like that. And I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. So I think as much as Minecraft is going to be it, be in it, I think it'd be harder to get Minecraft's demographic to purchase real things in a game like that. Like you mm. can't get somebody in. See, I, think, I don't think I think not. See, I think that more than somebody that's paying fifteen dollars for a subscription. Quality like, versus quantity, I man. Would, I think the the amount of uh, business Fortnite generates off of kids with their parents' card is is yeah. orders of magnitude greater. Final Fantasy might win on Agreed. the subscription, but I think in terms of having the DTC to young consumers, it's going to be something like Minecraft. Yes. It's going to be something like Minecraft. It's going to be something like Fortnite. It, it's going to need to change because I don't think that they can... I don't think Minecraft is gonna ever going to adapt mainstream into that Very space. Very gassy episode, you and me noticing today yeah my fault good (laughs) sorry i have to edit these out no it's fine but i think that i think i think that minecraft and fortnite will win based specifically and stick with me here they don't need to necessarily market it as an nft right stick with me here fortnite has its own currency right v bucks All Fortnite has to do is establish some sort of fort currency that runs parallel to V-Bucks. The the concept of purchasing digital assets is already baked into the game. The word NFT doesn't ever need to appear for this to quickly gain market share. That's all I'm saying. I, I completely agree. I just don't see how... I 
see NFTs and things like that translating easier to an MMO than something like Minecraft or something hmm. like um, Fortnite. Interesting. Just ga- gameplay wise, because I I think that MMOs are just sitting there waiting for it to happen. And I think it's just you. It's basically the step. An MMO is the step before the metaverse. Because hmm. it's basic. Hmm. It's basically that's what it is. I understand. Okay, fair enough. That that's an excellent point. So it's just it's the step right before it. So they're going to introduce NFTs into MMOs. And if you haven't been thinking about this, any large MMO company, you really should just put NFTs in your game. It's going to transition from MMOs into NFT with NFTs. It's going to try to hit mainstream games. And then they're going to make every mainstream game an MMO type thing that you can play live service inside yeah. the metaverse. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so that that kind of brings us to the next article because there's a lot of naysayers here, right? And we also have an article from Daniel Pardis on uh, GamesIndustry.biz. He says Ubisoft staff don't understand in quotes company's new NFT scheme. Developers reportedly expressed concerns and questioned the move on company's internal social hub. Reading from the article now, Ubisoft employees have expressed skepticism of the firm's new NFT platform, Ubisoft Quartz, following the addition of NFTs into the PC version of Ghost Recon Breakpoint. According to internal messages seen by Kotaku figures, a post on Ubisoft's internal social media hub began to quickly fill with questions and concerns regarding news, with some of the staff calling the announcement confusing and upsetting. Others questioned the environmental impact of generating NFTs, as well as concerns that Ubisoft's decisions to dabble in blockchain implementation will further impact public perception in the wake of several reports alleging toxic culture, sexual harassment, and pay disparity Jeez. over the comp- across the company. You guys can reach the rest of the article there from Miss. Danielle Pardis. A lot of lot of buzzwords in that article. I was noticing a lot of uh, yeah. agenda driven buzzwords. I would say the the cost of generating NFTs, Kotaku. You know, agenda driven journalism aside, I understand why. People are skeptical about NFTs. I completely do. I sent you, was it on the podcast or off the podcast where I told you about those stupid whales I wanted to get? The Catalina whale mixer. This is not an endorsement of any NFTs or crypto. It's just a stupid picture of this like buff whale with like a beanie and sunglasses, right? Like it's not that. It's so much more than that. I don't want to turn into a crypto bro. I don't want to start vaping and stuff like that. I don't want to be that guy, (laughs) you know, but I also don't want to be the old man yelling at clouds like this is the future. Like it or not. Get on the. I'm like, if people get people get rich, you you could only make fun of something for so long until people get rich. Like people made fun of people making a fool out of themselves on YouTube. Until Mr. Beast is the billy is a millionaire. More than that, I'd say PewDiePie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you hate we make fun of and talk all this like crap about things that we don't understand until people are rich doing it. And if people got rich doing crypto, you can say whatever you want about it. it made people rich and made people money, so it can't be that dumb. I agree. I agree. 
Um, that's where I'll leave it. I'm going to actually, this is a great way to segue, give people a little bit of a preview about our 2022 content. We're going to start putting out an addition to the podcast, little breakout episodes where Matt and I individually will talk about and break down a topic that is near and dear to our hearts within the video game industry. And the NFT episode that you guys have asked for over in the discord, it's coming. It's almost done being written. It'll be, I have to edit out all of the nudity, but, um, (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot and there's just so many mona lisas in i'm the even surprised how much nudity there is in it and i wrote it yeah right so yeah. i have to i have to keep workshopping it but you guys can expect that at some point in february uh so be on the lookout for that do you have anything to add to the and- nft convo no, but while we're talking about the discord subscribe to the discord we've been having great conversations with a lot of our viewers on there love to see it love to hear the nudity. feedback everything about it there's so much nudity. I'm joking. Um, I'm joking for anyone also, watching. Parents watching with your kids, there's <laughs> no nudity. It's actually a rule. Yeah, no. You will get banned. Yeah. Uh, QR code's in the link. Go to any of our social media on our YouTube and Spotify videos. Please like, rate, and subscribe, as always. And then, Bobby, third topic. What oh, are doing? boy. I wanted to go... It's been a while since we talked about our, our next uh, topic here. The, the subject of our next topic here. And topic three is all about Dr. Disrespect has come out and finally announced the name of his new AAA studio. And the coolest goddamn name ever. It's called it is real cool. Midnight Society. Are you kidding Amazing. me? It was really cool. You texted me that? Or no, I saw the link. And at first I was the, I was like, is this like an exclusive Discord thing that I need to be a streamer to get to? And then I'm like, do we need to make Plagonomics blow up so that I can get into Midnight Society? How do I get into Midnight Society? I joined the Midnight Society just, Discord. The minute, I don't know if it's yes. closed off now, but like the minute that link went up, I joined the Midnight Society Discord. Uh... But yes, reading from the article here over on PC Gamer, Mr. Andy Chalk. Chalk? Andy, I don't think that's your real last name. Comment down below if that's your real last name. It's gotta be. You tell it, you're telling know, me Andy's I'm, family invented Chalk? He comes from the Chalk fortune? I know somebody else's name uh, that is Chalk. Get him on the line. Does he know Andy? Anyway, reading reading from the article (laughs) now. I'll text him. Dr. Disrespect launches AAA game studio with Call of Duty and Halo veterans. The doctor is working with Robert Bowling and Quinn Del Hoyo on a new multiplayer shooter. Guy Guy Bean, the mustachioed streamer better known as Dr. Disrespect, has teamed up with former Call of Duty creative strategist Robert Bowling and Halo 5 multiplayer designer Quinn Del Hoyo to launch a new game studio called Midnight Society and a creating, and this is in quotes, the best, most community-focused online PvP multiplayer experience the world has ever seen. Things appeared to be fairly early on in the process, and they released no specifics about whatever the studio is working on. But as you might expect from a project headed up by Dr. Disrespect, there's plenty of hyperbole on tap. Midnight Society is, and in quotes, a killer team of veteran AAA talent that lives, breathes, and sleeps in the realm of PvP multiplayer. That's turning the tables upside down in the game industry with a new kind of game studio and publishing model over a decade in the making. If you guys want to read the rest of the article, you can go check it out on PC Gamer. Um, 
Wow. Yep. Wow. Short of getting somebody who works at id, who basically made Doom feel as goddamn good as Doom feels with, getting the creative strategist for Call of Duty and the multiplayer designer for Halo? Come on, man. Come, like... My thing is, how does that happen? Like, you know, I understand that he does have connections to the game development world because he had worked on, uh, I think it was Call of Duty 3. Advanced Warfare, not 3. Yeah. But he like he has the connections into the game development world and that might be how he's able to do things like this but how does somebody go and all they are is a streamer like how how in touch do you think streamers really are with game development and larger gaming industry like bro some people are just built different and i don't like this isn't me speaking like hyper hyperbolically right now right yep Persona aside, like WWE persona of Doc aside, the the man himself, Guy, is a fucking marketing genius. Right? Yes. Like, that alone, if if this guy went to go work at any other company, he would be at the top tier of that marketing team in no time. He understands what people want to see. And he himself is a consumer of the products he's making, which makes everything that he puts out authentic, right? Yes. This is nothing but good news. I am so excited to see what comes out of this. Yeah, me too. And for the record, it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Was it? And Advanced Warfare. I could have sworn it was. And and Advanced Warfare. It's Hmm. both of them. Yeah, we were both right. However, I just, it's really cool that he has these good people, like the guy from Halo multiplayer and then the guy from Call of Duty, just because when this was first announced and I had faith that it was, that Doc was going to do this, like a game development company justice, but I was worried that it was going to be a bunch of streamers and a bunch of like video game personalities making a mess like there was a there was like a five percent of me was like this is gonna be a mess and this is not gonna be good and it's gonna be a bunch of like streamers just being streamers on tv like on their game development making games to boost their own channels but now he's got some heavy hitters in here i told you (laughs) i told look you can't look at what doc you can look at what doc has built in terms of a brand and you can only discount so much of it on luck nobody gets as lucky as he got you don't just fall into what he's built right sure maybe he hit the market at the right time with the right thing granted but the perseverance and the scaling of it to having your own autobiography your own g fuel flavor your own clothing line your uh, own game studio, your own skins in games, your own uh, tournaments. He's got, uh, he's sponsored by, what the hell is it? He doesn't have the G Fuel flavor anymore. Um, Mountain Dew is, is the sponsor now, right? Like, you don't just get lucky. You have to be very surgical in aligning your brand with other brands that will help boost your stardom. 
Doc's yeah. a genius. I completely, I completely agree. What I would like to note is that somewhere in this game industry, Doc PC is, gamer, uh, not a PC gamer on this one. Um, they are. He's looking to defy the one and done publishing model. Interesting. Is a which is a streamer heavy, like a streamer favorable way to make a video game because he's basically making video games that continuously get updated. Then, yep, that's what it seems like. And what that is is you allow streamers to have one game that they know is never going anywhere. It's good. So I good. It's it's streamer focused, but it's. Like it's content creator focused, and I think that's where the industry is going. But a video game industry, like a video game developer right now, can't make video games for streamers. It would just be a mistake because, in general, most people want to play video games. They don't want to just watch people play video games. And there's no money in marketing towards people that are just gonna, like, that are using it for their own content. I agree. But if the streamers are on your team, if they're in the game development, you have guaranteed content for your streamers. And then what I we had talked about how do streamers continue to um like how do streamers fit into the video game industry on a different episode mm-hmm. where we were talking about the contracts for like Nick Merckx and Tim the Tatman and things things like that. I think this was an underrated avenue for people to go to because we always said that the streaming services were going to sign the content creators what if we start seeing game developers throwing bags at people and what hmm. if instead if you're of not platform Twitch, exclusive your game exclusive interesting yeah interesting. what if like what if instead of you or i think it, it was twitch that signed nick birch right yeah they re-signed nick Merck, so yeah they kept him on the platform yeah. What if Activision Blizzard did it instead hmm. and said you only play Call of Duty now? See, I think that we're, I I think in theory and talking about it, that's a great idea. I just think that you always have to go to the top of the river, right? And the top of the river is the platform. Activision Blizzard streams exclusively on YouTube, Call of Duty League, Overwatch yes. League, right? So if yep. they sign Nick Merckx to only stream Warzone, well. He, that that steps on his toes other places. What I will say about this, hearing you kind of talk through it, is that if you watch Doc streams, he's not shy about what is wrong with games and also very vocal about how games can be better. He's not just out just saying this game sucks, Agreed. right? Like he's coming from a creative standpoint of the audio needs to be better. The sensitivity needs yeah. to be better. Like, real key points of feedback. So with that in mind, regardless of whatever the rollout is here, having it being a living, breathing product, having his star power behind it, I think that's a winning combo. And what I'll say is I'll plant this flag right now. Someone who makes videos. Someone, we make these videos. Whoever is, because I just looked them up on LinkedIn. They don't have a LinkedIn page yet. Whoever is the marketing content person, community manager, content manager at Midnight Society, I'll work for free. 
Let let me put out a banger teaser for you. Send me send me the press materials. I'll sign an NDA. But I'll cut a banger trailer together for Doc. That's all I'm saying. That's I'll leave it there. That's all that needs. That's to be all said. that needs to be said. Rounding out the topics here. This is a long show. This is a heavy show today, my guy. Thick one. These shows are getting Dude, longer and longer. An hour about. in. Um. Topic number four. Final Fantasy fourteen Endwalker is so popular, Square Enix has to stop selling it. This comes from our boy, Paul Tassie, over at Forbes. He writes, well, this is a new one. At this point, it's clear that Endwalker is a massive hit for Square Enix with the new Final, 14, Final Fantasy XIV expansion beloved by fans who can't get enough of it. However, this has created a problem. As so many people are attempting to play Final Fantasy XIV, it's, it's creating massive server bottleneck issues. While Square Enix tries to figure out technical solutions for the fix, they are doing something rather unprecedented. They are ceasing sales of the game altogether and even pulling marketing for it. Lest that encourage people to buy copies they cannot support with current server situation. I'll let you guys reach the article. Read the rest of the article there. What a cool ass move. What a what a problem. What to a, have. exactly like, a, like imagine sitting in that boardroom and they're talking about what to do. We're selling too many games. Our servers can't handle how much people love our game. And you gotta imagine they're sitting at a whiteboard, r- listing these things down, and they're all looking at each other, and just start dying laughing. Because Oof. like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, not like, not in a bad way. Just like in a happy, like, how good of a problem do we have right now? And then that brings me to my next point. With how much they can't keep up with how good their game is doing right now. Do you think pulling it is the right idea? Like, do you think having people like not purchasing your game (sighs) rather than sit in queue times and not being able to play it and get frustrated is worth it on the ROI? Again, again, I I understand. Like it's a damned if you do, damned if you you don't. don't. It's not like in the old days where you had to physically go out. Because this is different than we cannot print enough DVDs, right, of the game. Yeah. Every GameStop is sold out. This is not that, right? This is we're choosing not to sell you the product and eating that cost rather than risk bad optics and bad community feedback because queue times are long, right? And like – I'm not surprised at this decision at all because this is since A Realm Reborn came out, which Final Fantasy released. In terrible shape. Final Fantasy XIV comes out. Awful game. They stopped it and said, we're sorry. (laughs) We're going to fix it. We're sorry. A Realm Reborn comes out. And then since then, their community involvement and their like active participation in implementing player feedback has been top notch. And I think this is the ultimate testament to that because it's just them saying, it's Listen, a flex. I know you want to play the game. <laughs> you won't enjoy it like this. And we don't want you to be upset with it. Let us fix it. 
the people that got in got in. We apologize that you cannot play our game right now. We want you to play the game. But we want you to play it the way it's meant to be played. Which is such a classy we'll get move. get back to you. Like, hearing that, and obviously that is the intention of why they're doing this, right? Oh, yeah. What a, what a stand-up move. What a stand-up move. You know who wouldn't do that? Activision oh, Blizzard. <laughs> they would they'd be like, pay, oh. They'd make you pay uh, double for two halves of a broken game. <laughs> I was going to say, they'd be like, oh, you want to get your $15 a month gets you into the game, but your queue time, you're 150000 in queue. If you want to skip that, you could, make your queue, you could make your monthly subscription $30, and then you get a fast yeah, right. pass in World of Warcraft. Like, that's what they would sell you. God. But bravo, Square Enix. Clap it up. They Again. need to recuperate some of that Avengers cost, because Lord yeah. knows that that hurt them. Lord knows that that game hurt them. At least they've got Final Fantasy. Yeah, but um, I cannot wait. It's current Final Fantasy is on the PlayStation. I'm waiting, and it gets rumored wait, every 14 year. Around is not only on PlayStation. No, no, no. It's on PlayStation. It's on PlayStation and the computer. Really? Like it, no. it moved to console. Is yeah. it really Final Fantasy 14 is a PlayStation console exclusive? No, 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 and PC. It's also on... Yeah, but like console, I mean. Yes. Huh. Yeah, it's not on the Xbox. And I'm waiting for it to drop on there because I really, really want to play it, but I don't want to get into another laptop computer MMO. Interesting. Like, I want it to come to... And you, you could check, pull yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like... Huh. I'm 95% sure it's on PlayStation. And I really want to play it because I've heard from... The critique that I always had of World of Warcraft is that their like single player game. Yeah, shit. Look at that. Isn't really Final that Fantasy good. 14 on PlayStation. Wow. Yeah. Their like single player story alone content wasn't ever very good in World of Warcraft. It was really the end game stuff that was really good. And I've heard the opposite. Final uh, Fantasy. Final Fantasy. I I heard that leveling through each zone is awesome. Yeah. People pause their leveling so that they could go through the zone correctly and like do the you story. Would pause and your leveling I would, I would. But I've heard amazing things about the stories in Final Fantasy, and I, I want to play it so bad, but I don't want to put it on my computer. I really, you, you won't bring yourself I'm done to do playing it. You won't bring yourself to do it. Yeah, that's fair. I'm done with mouse and keyboard. But if it comes to the Xbox, best believe you're going to be there. I'm get. Yeah, and I'm going to take a week off of work and play Final Fantasy. Well, when that day comes, we look forward. I look forward to hearing all about it. But as we bring this show in for a landing, I'd like to thank everybody listening. We'd like to wish you all a happy holidays as we roll into this merry season of tiding and giving and peace, goodwill to all men. Uh, we will see you guys, as I said before, throughout the next two weeks, uninterrupted on episodes. So we look forward to hearing your guys' feedback on that. And we'll see you guys with a head full of steam in the new year and balls full of thunder. Oh, yeah. Goddamn right. <laughs> see you guys later. Happy gaming, everybody.